Good morning. <clears throat> it's Sunday morning, April the 10th, and I'm Wimala, and I'm here in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Uh, today is beautiful. A little chilly here, but it's a beautiful, sunny day. Today, because we finished our book by Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu, um, The Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree, and it was a great book on voidness. And uh, today I wanted to read something from a book I've had for a long time from by Gil Fronsdale. It's called The Issue at Hand, Essays on Buddhist Mindfulness Practice. And Gil Fronsdale is the lead teacher at uh, Insight Meditation Society, uh, Insight Meditation Center in Redwood, Redwood City in Northern California, just south of uh, San Francisco. And he's a wonderful teacher. And I think he also was a student at one time of uh, Buddha Dasa's. But this is a book he wrote. They're essays. And uh, he, he explains that they've come from, I'll read this little part. The book you are now holding in your hands is a compilation of essays and edited talks on the Buddhist practice of mindfulness. Many of these chapters started out as talks given to the Monday evening or Sunday morning sitting groups of our Insight Meditation Center of the Mid-Peninsula. A few of the chapters were written specifically for publication in Buddhist journals, magazines, or newsletters. And he mentions how, how the title came about. And I'll just read a little section of this from his introduction. Like shoes, mindfulness protects us, but shoes can only protect us from our outer world, the ground. Mindfulness protects us from both our outer and inner worlds. We are protected from the outer world because we can see it more clearly. We are protected from both the outer and the inner worlds by being mindful and discerning in how we react. Mindfulness strengthens our ability to avoid harmful impulses and to act beneficially. Training in mindfulness is thus a training in finding the point of contact. Another way of saying this is that it involves the search for the issue at hand. I like this expression because the image of a hand suggests what can be touched, what can be directly seen and felt. If we spend a lot of time anticipating the future, the issue at hand is not the future event, but rather what is tangible in the present, the immediate physical and mental experiences of worry or excitement. If we spend a lot of time in fantasy, the issue at hand might be the physical sensations of the boredom fueling the story-making. If we are in an angry conversation, we won't find the issue at hand in rehashing past events or in dwelling on our judgment of the other person. Instead, we find it by grounding the conversation in what each person is feeling during the conversation. This does not mean we can't review the past 
but it means we don't lose contact with ourselves and the other person. <clears throat> so the, the search for the issue at hand is the search for what is closest at hand, for what is directly seen, heard, smelt, tasted, felt, and cognized in the present. Sometimes what is closest at hand is how we are holding our direct experience. So that's just a little bit from his introduction. But the article, the, the uh, essay I wanted to read, and these are just a few pages long, but this one is called Responding to Tragedy. And here's the verse from the Dhammapada, Dhammapada 270, that he puts at the beginning. One is not a noble one who harms living beings. By being harmless to all living beings is one called a noble one. Responding to tragedy. And the, we've seen that we've had a lot of tragedy in the world over the last few years. And the Ukraine is one of the, the most immediate, one of the most uh, kind of right in our faces for, for us these days. Responding to tragedy. At the heart of Buddhism lies both realism and optimism. The realism entails an honest and unswerving recognition of the suffering and violence of our in our world. These existed at the time of the Buddha and they continue in our modern world. The optimism comes from recognizing the potential for alleviating suffering and violence. We can, in fact, remove from our hearts the toxic forces of greed, hate, and delusion. We can replace them with peace, loving kindness, and compassion. For Buddhist practice, it is important to be both realistic and optimistic. Realism alone leads to despair. Optimism alone obscures the ground of spiritual practice. In the face of unimaginable tragedy, violence, and hate, we are called upon to honestly recognize our own fear, confusion, and anger. Fear ignored produces more fear. Confusion unacknowledged churns up more confusion. Anger not confronted spawns further anger. To develop our mindfulness of all three is to learn how to be free of their forces. This is a slow and gradual process, but the more free we become, the more we are able to organize our lives around our best intentions. The intentions to be kind, compassionate, helpful, happy, and liberated are among the most beautiful qualities we have as humans. These qualities are not luxuries. They are not optional. We need to be able to call upon them when we respond to the cries of the world around us. The optimism of Buddhism is what we can make a difference, is that we can make a difference to the world around us. Our thoughts, words, and deeds of empathy love and caring are the needed counterforces 
to hatred, violence, and despair. Our own efforts to find inner peace, our example, can be an important can be an important force in wholesome change for people who don't know of that possibility. The history of Buddhism offers many examples of how influential the peaceful presence of one person can be. When Prince Siddhartha was dismayed by sickness, old age, and death, the sight of a peaceful renunciate inspired him with the possibilities of the spiritual quest, which culminated in his awakening as the Buddha. One of the most dramatic stories concerns the conversion of the violent King Ashoka in the third century BCE, who was bent on conquering as much of India as possible. In his own words, which have survived on stones, he ordered carved he tells of being horrified at the carnage of the 100,000 deaths by which he won a battle. As he stood in grief on the battlefield, a single Buddhist monk walked by with a peace and radiance that moved the king to ask for teachings. Propelled by his own despair, the monk's serenity, and these teachings, the king renounced conquest violence, and capital punishment. While he retained his army for defense, his efforts were redirected from war to the social and spiritual improvements of his subjects. We can't be sure what teachings Ashoka received from the monk. The Buddha had much to say about, about violence and hatred. Perhaps the monk repeated these verses from the Buddha. Hatred never ends through hatred. By non-hatred alone does it end. This is eternal truth. Victory gives birth to hate. The defeated sleep tormented, giving up both victory and defeat. The peaceful sleep delighted. All tremble at violence. All fear death. Having likened others to yourself, don't kill, don't kill or cause others to kill. If you surveyed the entire world, you'd find no one more dear than yourself, since each person is most dear to themselves. May those who love themselves not bring harm to anyone. The person who day and night delights in harmlessness and has loving kindness toward all beings is the one who has no hate for anyone. In Buddhist teaching, we have available two healthy responses to the suffering of the world. One is compassion, a tremendous motivation to change the world for the better can arise out of compassion. I believe that compassion is a more effective motivation than aversion. The other response is called samvega, which is the passion for practice. In our contact with suffering, we find the motivation to come to terms with our suffering, to find freedom for ourselves and others. Both responses contribute to peace. May we all remain confident that we can make a difference.
And I think that uh, recognizing that we can make a difference is certainly the optimism of Buddhism. So we make a difference in so many little things that add up to big things. So that's beautiful. When we, when we become discouraged by the state of the world and wonder what we can do, practice and compassion. So I thought, I thought you'd probably relate to that with things that have been, we've been seeing and hearing about this status of the world. So we have some time and we can sit together. So let's do that. It's good to see everybody. Today at the temple, we have the Dhammapada class online. And coming up in June, for those I see, uh, Carrie, you're watching. Uh, Aaron Dank and I are going to be joining together. She's the artist. I'm the helper, <laughs> the meditator. And uh, we're going to be doing art and meditation again live at the temple starting once a month in June on Tuesdays from five to seven. So if you can, if you can get together with us, it should be wonderful. We'll be back in the temple and uh, working with art and being inspired by a meditation we do together and inspired by a theme perhaps. And uh, all the supplies will be there. So. I hope those of you who have who have done it in the past will come will be back and those who haven't will experience it. It's month by month. So we'll be optimistic and uh, compassionate and be practicing at the same time. So why don't we sit this morning? Just let your body be comfortable. And awake at the same time. So let your spine stretch out. Be aware of your body. Be aware that the body is lifted up. Let your spine be lifted up. Whatever posture you're in is fine, but you can always lift your spine, let your shoulders roll back, let your chest open up so breathing is uh, easier. And, our, and the natural breath will just be deeper. Let's just work with the body and the breath. As you just breathe in and out with your natural breath, Be aware of a spot where you can lightly focus your attention, where you feel the breath. We traditionally do it around the nostrils, but it's also easy to do if you just are aware of the belly. Belly rises, even if it's just slight. It's a more, uh, it's a feeling that's more accessible to most of us. As you inhale, the belly will rise a bit. As you exhale, it contracts. 
Be aware of each breath in and each breath out. And don't block, don't feel like you have to block out the sense contact in your body. We want to sit and practice allowing everything to go through our sense doors. But practice mindfulness. So we're aware of everything, but we aren't letting it rattle us or pull us away. When we see ourselves becoming distracted from the breath, we can just let let that distraction drop away. That's when we really see how the mind wants to pull back into its old habits of being distracted all the time. So we allow smells and taste, we allow sound, we allow our mind to be thinking. We allow that sense of contact with our skin. But we don't hang on to any of it. We try to let it go, let it in, be aware of it, and then just allow it to pass, just like we do with our thoughts. Let the thoughts arise. We just don't feed them with our attention. Just allow everything to just be what it is and nothing more. And all we have to do is just keep returning to the breath. And little by little, we can let go. Let go of that sensual desire for the things that we enjoy. Let go of, aver- of aversion for the things that we don't like. <clears throat> and as we continue practicing, we become... We have less ignorance, less delusion. We practice and study, have right intention and right understanding. We're dropping that delusion.
With each exhale, let the body relax. Come back to your breath.
Let's end our practice this morning with a very short metta practice. So, send friendliness to yourself. Kindness, friendliness. May I be well. May I feel safe. May I have an open heart. May I stay open with the world. May I live with compassion and may I live in peace. And may our loved ones be well. And may they feel safe. And may they live in peace. And may all beings in the world, those being afflicted with pain and tragedy, those deal, excuse me, those dealing with unimaginable heartache and pain. Those dealing with hunger and thirst. Beings forced to leave their homes. May all beings everywhere be safe, may their minds be well and happy. And may they be able to live in peace. So may everything that we do and say and think today be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all living beings throughout the universe. So thank you and keep practicing and 
Remember that the little things are so important. Have a beautiful day. Uh, and Patty, you're asking, I will post the phrases from uh, Christy Ten Tenery. I'll post those and give her credit for the, just her, her phrasing is beautiful. So thank you, everyone, and I will see you on Tuesday. Bye-bye.